everybody, welcome to the Hyrith and Other Words podcast. I am your host, Timothy Mangle, and uh, I'm doing another solo episode, and the topic of this week, I am, I've been looking forward to talking about this probably since I started the podcast, maybe halfway through or whatever, but yeah, so we're going to be talking about the simulation theory or the simulation hypothesis, uh, time and the purpose of reality which um seems like this is all way above my pay grade but uh, i'm going to try to dive into these into these things and and kind of yeah just help us find our relationship to them but uh before i go into that i just have a couple announcements up top that i wanted to share with you um this week that this is coming out. Uh, I am starting a bonus podcast uh, for Patreon subscribers. Now, uh, any tier that you sign up on will get this podcast, um, and it comes out bi-weekly. So I don't know if you've maybe caught on to how I've tried to structure the podcast, but it's mostly one week. I'll do a solo episode, and then the next week we'll do a, um interview or a conversation with somebody. So my plan is, is on those uh, off weeks of the solo episodes, meaning on the weeks that I have guests on, I'll be releasing a bonus podcast that week, and that'll just be a solo episode for the most part. I don't really plan on having people on the bonus podcast, but don't be surprised if they show up. But um, so what is the, the bonus podcast? I describe it to myself or how I'm approaching it is really as like my spiritual diary. Um, because I think for me, I've spent most of my, sp- I actually haven't kept a really good diary of my journey and it's something I'm remorseful about, um, quite truthfully, because I've experienced a lot and I've, I've learned a lot and encountered a lot and all that stuff. And I wish I would have wrote more down, um, or just had it recorded. So, um, I want to start this podcast to really just kind of start talking about, the books that I'm reading or whatever I'm listening to or concepts that I'm, you know, working through or whatever it is, or just even personal growth stuff that I feel comfortable sharing. Um, but yeah, so that, that'll that be over there. That's linked in the description. If you want to check that out, go ahead. Like I said, that'll be launching this week on Wednesday. And what also is happening on Next Wednesday, I believe, on the first Wednesday of February is my mom, my mom's and I, Margaret Kinsey and I, I have to remember that not everyone knows her as my mom, but Margaret Kinsey, who is my mother, we're going to be doing a, essentially what we're describing it as a spirituality 101. Um, We're going to be doing a class on that and really diving into just practices and you know, the philosophy of it all and how do we apply these things. And, um, yeah, so if you're a fan of my mom and I's conversations, um, I would totally check that out. I'm, I'm really hoping that it would be a time for her to shine through because she just has so much wisdom and experience and has such a, a great outlook on life in general that I'm, I'm really hoping to be able to dive in as, and share as much as I can with everybody. So, uh, yeah, go ahead check those out, no pressure, um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff uh, involved with the tiers and everything, from picking episode titles to su- 
or uh, picking episode topics to suggesting topics to getting um, percentages off merch and live shows and, and stuff that we have planned out in the future. But uh, yeah, <laughs> speaking of the future, let's let's talk about time and the simulation and not get too far ahead of ourselves, shall we? Um, now, where do we want to start here? Ah, oh, man. So last week with Jaren, we did talk a little bit about the um, the simulation hypothesis or the simulation theory. And so let me kind of just break that down for people who aren't really familiar with what that uh, is necessarily. So I'd say over the past, I don't know, 20, 20 years, most of my life, I guess you, you can see this emerge of this belief that, and I, it really probably started with the, the movie, The Matrix, right, of this idea of that we're living in this reality that we can kind of, you know, transcend and escape from, and the idea, what is, it's kind of morphed into is the idea that it's some, that reality itself exists within some kind of supercomputer that is essentially running a, this as a program um, and allowing it to kind of play out as such. And the question I, I really just have to ask is like, if we didn't have technology as such as a codependent thing over the past 30, 40 years, would we, would we innately be having these same intuitive thoughts about the nature of reality? And my personal opinion is no, probably not. And the reason I say that is because one thing that I've really discovered is that people's worldviews and their philosophies and their religions really reflect the world around them. And, you know, an example of that that's, that's pretty, pretty good is if you look in Eastern religions, there's a lot more emphasis on like monkeys and elephants. I mean, this is a tapestry, which is traditionally more Eastern things. And I'm pretty sure there's elephants. Yeah. So it's, those things don't show up in Western mythology so much, obviously, because we don't have them, right? So it's, there's something to be said about, you know, philosophies and religions and traditions and all these things that they're really not just as simple as, you know, statements or, or whatever, it's it's a relationship, as all things are, between the collective people and the reality that they're experiencing together. Um, and any good religion or philosophy, to some degree, it w will help you be able to navigate your reality better than you were before you were introduced to it. And the reason that's true about religion, I don't know necessarily about philosophy, because philosophy is really just the study of the, the nature of, of life. So there's not really this burden on philosophy to answer the questions of, well, how do we, what do we do? How do we move forward? And it does to some degree, but it doesn't have the same, the same focus on applying things and doing things for your betterment that religion does. So that's that's a the difference there between religion and philosophy is that philosophy is really just trying to answer questions 
but whereas religion is is really trying to satisfy and connect the deeper parts of the individual. Now I say all that for the reason of asking the question of does the simulation hypothesis do that for us? Does it help us migrate reality in a better and more cohesive way than if that narrative wasn't true? And I, I find myself thinking about, you know, when we play The Sims, it's to some degree it's a simulation. That's probably where that word comes from. And, you know, it's... This is probably just a lot of my personal opinions, but when I think about that reality, it seems very cold and calculating. And when I look out at the reality that I'm experiencing, separate from the technology that is kind of it runs perpendicular with it, I notice that nature seems to be much more alive. It seems to be a lot more, I don't know, interactive. Pers it has so much more of a personality than a computer, in my from my perspective, could ever offer. And obviously, if it's a computer that's great enough to simulate reality, then it should be a computer that would be great enough to, I don't know, encompass this thing feeling alive. But again, it's, it's for me, I see this clear, and I, we talked about this last week on the episode, is there's this clear distinction between the decline of traditional God or tra tra traditional creation myth in the West with a pretty rapid increase in the simulation theory hypothesis, okay? So it's like, as God decreases in popularity, uh, technology increases, but as he, as, you know, and, I, and it's not just the idea of God, it's kind of what it represents as creator and the thing that has set everything into motion, it's the thing that dictates purpose to some degree and, and all those things. So as that was kind of at a decline, we had this this incline of a very interesting foreign entity that was entered into our society and rapidly changed everything. And it's it's technology, it's the internet. And it's it's of course as all of this stuff began to consume our life and we were getting rid of old traditional understandings of the constructs, the constructs and the nature of reality, we replaced it with something that was similar to what we were experiencing. Because again, as I said before, that's how these philosophies and religions and traditions and cultures and all these things are, are birthed. Because there's a relationship of the individual with the reality around them that they're experiencing. So, you know, and it's I think about, you know, it's it's not just enough that in the Christian myth or whatever that God created reality. There's these all other stories and, and things around it that were built into the narrative to kind of give it structure and form and to kind of help it be cohesive and helpful to the individual, right? So it's not just God making reality for whatever reason, but there's things around that that were placed into the Christian narrative and the Jewish narrative and all these other narratives that really help the individual wrap their heads around the 
circumstances that they find themselves in. So that's why I keep I, I keep trying to hammer home this idea that a good religion or a good philosophy or a good worldview can really encompass reality as it fully is and and be able to hold the weight of it all. And so when I think about something like the simulation theory, it's like, well, yeah, it's okay. So somebody, some, somehow a computer was constructed that was so grandiose that it was able to simulate a reality that seems indistinguishable from, well, see, again, that's the problem is because we're, we're defining these terms from our perspective at, uh, to the grandiose area, right? So it's like, well, what if it, you know, because reality to us is it's real, you know, it's, it's, you don't have to ask anybody is, is reality real or whatnot. It's so just obvious that it is. And this is why I wanted to throw time in with this topic is because this is, and I'm sorry if I'm going to hurt anybody's feelings, but this is how you can tell that if someone just really has a low understanding of what philosophy is or just the 101 level of appreciation for the art of philosophy is when they say that time isn't real. And I'm sure if you were watching the video, you just saw my eyes roll back in my head when I said that statement. Because it's, I, I remember hearing that when I was younger, people just constantly saying, you know, time isn't real or time's an illusion or time's a construct. And one of the third one of those things that I said is true, the first two were so laughably incorrect because if you say the statement time isn't real, you the question then is asked, well, then what elapsed between the beginning of your sentence and the end of your sentence? I don't, I don't understand what you would call that as anything else than time. And, you know, to be fair, Einstein said that time exists as part of the, as time space or space time rather. So that space and time have to exist concurrently because you can't have one without the other, right? Again, because going back to my idea of a sentence is that a sentence has a begin point and an end point. And for that to unfold, there needs to be space. Space between the beginning of the sentence, space between the end of the sentence. And that's, that's, that's represented not just in time, but it's also represented physically because there's an actual, there's something being portrayed in this, in the space perspective, which is, you know, the reality that we can perceive and touch. And there's an, there's an elap, there's an elapsing of, again, time there. So to say that time isn't real, it's just, it's a ridiculous statement because, Again, so I'll give credit to the idea of time being a construct, which, again, it's true because, sure, you can say that 2 o'clock doesn't exist outside of the construct that we all agree upon. But here's the thing, friends. When we all agree upon 2 o'clock, we make it real collectively. Again, so I've talked about this before about a stop sign. Is A stop sign doesn't just represent just, you know, it's not just metal on metal with some red paint. But it means more than it's than the sum of its parts. I'm getting very passionate, <laughs> and and because the, the reason the reason I get so passionate when I talk about this the simulation or the or time stuff is because it these aren't healthy worldviews to hand to people that help them navigate through reality. All it does is kind of send them into chaos. And again, this is my own personal bias as somebody who's 
much more in love or much more inclined to give myself to the more romantic interpretations of reality. And what I mean by that is the idea of a loving God who sets forth creation to interact with it and to love it solely and intentionally. And I think about the simulation theory, and, and again, it's not just because... I ha- there's, uh, Not to say that I haven't had times in my life where, you know, the code feels off or it feels like everything in reality is, is just cold and calculating. But there's been times as well, like I said, that reality seems so personal and seems to have such a intention about our lives. And this, you can see it in our language when we talk about going through things or, you know, I'm really being tested or, or trials or seasons or, or, again, we have to look at our language and really, you know, notice that on a subconscious level, we, we do describe reality as being alive and, and intimate with us. And again, it doesn't mean that a computer couldn't do that, but it seems to me that it Again, it's we're only saying computer because it's the things that surround us. It's not because reality itself gives this presentation of I am a computer. And that's that's a perfect segue into this Christian idea that um so, you know, that that really helps us understand what to some degree the purpose of reality. It's a, it's a good jumping off point to to where I want to go. There's this verse in the book of Romans in the Bible that says something along the lines of everything that is to be known about God can be known about God through nature. So what is nature? Nature is it's reality, right? You know, there's a hard time to differentiate between those two things. So I'll probably just use those kind of concurrently going forth here. But Nature, then, in the context of this scripture, exists to teach us, right? So it's, if, if there is a God, again, reading it within the context of the story, then this scripture is saying that nature is given to show you what God is like. And I think that is a brilliant statement. I think it's a correct statement because here's the thing is any sort of interpretation, any sort of understanding of, of reality only happens within reality. So we're, we're, we're forced then to use the tools that are present to us to try to describe the things that are larger than us and larger than what we can see. And again, so it's, it's nature and the Eastern Church has a better understanding of this idea than we do in the West. They have a philosophy or a worldview or whatever you would want to call it that says, you know, creation itself is the first Bible and that the Bible is the second one. Meaning that if we give the traditional definition of the Bible as the thing by which we know and understand the ultimate then it's nature first, even by the definition of the Bible itself. So it's it's reality, it, it exists, again, to be this thing that teaches us and, and to show us and to, 
I don't know, to to reveal something that seems important that it's revealed and not just known, but that it's something that that needs to be learned and something that that something that just isn't inherent, but something that needs to be found and something that needs to be kind of struggled to or or even awoken to. And so this brings me on to another idea that is somewhat similar. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and claim that they're the same thing because I don't necessarily believe that they are, but there's definitely some overlap. In the Hindu philosophy or religion or whatever you'd want to call it, they have this concept of Maya. Now, Maya is in it, it's this same idea exists in Christianity, but I just don't feel it going down that path at the moment. But in Hinduism, Maya is an extension of Krishna or, or Ram or the ultimate God figure. So creation exists as this thing that is kind of extended out of the ultimate. And it exists as this place where the ultimate is fragmented into individuals such as us to can you guess what we're here to do? To learn and to kind of forget and to remember and to wrestle with these things. And Maya exists as this aspect of, of God or Ram or Krishna in this um, religion or philosophy as the thing, again, it, it, it teaches you. So you, you're going along doing your thing. And I, I genuinely believe this happens to everyone, regardless of what your creed or your your interpretation of reality is is that you're kind of just going along minding your own business and then nature teaches you a lesson you know whatever it is it's maybe it needs to be that you need to trust more or that you need to be more forgiving or whatever it is it's and again going back to our languages is we do say this is you know this idea of the universe is teaching me a lesson or, or you know it's true that whatever you're here to do, this whatever your purpose is here, is it seems to be at least from these. We have Christianity and we have Hinduism that they're trying to say that part of the purpose of the of the incarnation of the individual is to learn, and to not just learn but to apply it. Right. So it's it's not just about knowledge or like sounds that happen in your head that oh you know that's knowledge or, or words or thoughts or whatever but it's about embodied wisdom so it's not just about learning that it's good to love it's it's going and loving right that's that's clearly so much better than just understanding that it's the right thing to do um, because true understanding of loving people looks like you loving people right like because and this is something that like I hammer on so much to myself because I'm so, so much a person that gets caught up in, well, what is, I mean, I've just sat here and talked about the, you know, I deconstructed and this whole idea of the simulation, all this stuff, but, but really what it comes down to is, am I loving people well? Am I loving the reality that I'm in well, you know, so I don't, I don't need to get bogged down in these things as much, but I, yeah, it's 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 important to take the messages that these larger philosophies and these religions hand to you and try to implement them into your life because it, for thousands of years, literally, people have been trying to 
build together a cohesive narrative of reality, and it's so hard. And and again, that's you know we can even see it with with what the simulation theory is just this idea of we need something, even if it's just a theory or a guess, to give us some sort of understanding about how we got here. We can't just not have a theory about it because it's it's too large of a question not to answer to to not be sitting there and again even the idea of saying you know we came from nothing or whatever those that's you're still answering the question you can't just negate it you can't just get rid of where did i come from where am i going all those things they're they're built into you um and you have to answer the questions even if people's questions don't look the same or people's answers rather don't look the same so I don't know, I feel like I hammered really hard on the simulation theory, but what I'll say is that you can see the, see the, how do you say that? You, you, you can see the attempts at something akin to what these Christian or Hindu ideas really kind of portray. And I feel like I didn't do my uh, a really good explanation, but maybe I'll try that again. But, so even the terminology, right, a simulation, so what do we do when we're running tests it's, to some degree, especially now in um, the world that we live in is just everything is done through a sim, a simu, we're running simulations. And again, what is a simulation here for is the, to teach you. So there's even this subconscious level of like, well, let's, what are the, what's the word that we're going to use? Cause we didn't just say, you know, the, 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 the fake, reality we live in or, or whatever it is or the the hyper the techno world or I don't, I don't know the word that we use was simulation because again we had this subconscious connection of we're here to learn the purpose of reality is to teach us things to point us in the right direction to to grow us on whatever path it is that we're walking on and again running simulations or running a test but for me it just it's it's so cold and, and calculating and I don't necessarily believe nature to be that way i believe nature to be very loving and, and very intentional does that mean it can't be a giant computer sure but again i just think that we're projecting our reality onto something that is far yeah far far bigger than just a computer um so i don't know i i i wanted to leave you feeling like there are narratives of reality that do help you and do fill you with hope um and people can say that those are placebos or whatever it is but i think for people to be intentional about finding ways that really help them move forward in a positive and beneficial way is you know even some of the greatest philosophical atheists of our our i won't say our lifetime but of the collective history you know, they understood that philosophy and or, uh, religion exist because people needed to be able to make sense of their reality. The, the details of the religion are debatable, but the fact that even atheism is, is its own religion, right? Because, again, you're making a confirmation about the nature of reality and your relationship to it. And practices to a certain degree but we we need to be able to answer these things and it 
to me personally, it just seems much more beneficial, much more practical, and much more helpful to us as a species when it's done from a place of love and from a place of yes and a place of trying to be better and, and trying to, I don't know, thrive and to shine light. And because for me, I, I really do believe, you know, there's this verse in the Bible where Jesus is talking to Israel and he says, you know, you're the light of the world and you're the salt of the earth. And what he he's not just talking to the the country or the people, but he's talking to anyone who would attempt to walk the spiritual path. He's saying to us, you're the light of the world and you're the salt of the earth. And that's a heavy burden to bear, but I I genuinely believe that it's the reason that we're here for whatever it is. Um, again, I, I can't tell you exactly why we're here or whatever it is that we're doing, but it seems to me that the idea of loving your neighbor is of utmost importance. And I can only tell you that through living in a world where that isn't applied very well and seeing the fruits thereof. So let's fantasize together. What could this world look like if if we just loved everybody? Now I know love is a hard word to define and, and how do you embody love and what does love look like? I, I would say it starts with compassion and it would start you have to be able to see yourself in the other because without that you won't be able to extend true compassion. And you also need to be able to extend the compassion that you want to extend to others to yourself. You need to be able to allow yourself to be forgiven, even when you feel like you don't need or deserve that. You need to be able to tell yourself that you are not only someone who should be loved but that you do deserve loved and you are loved greatly so i don't know friends i hope that i've encouraged you i hope i've been able to kind of point you to what what is nature up to it's your friend and it it wants the best for you and it it seems painful most of the times but uh one of my favorite catchphrases is you don't get a resurrected Christ without a crucified Christ and uh, hey I just remembered another uh, thing is in Hinduism they have the idea of Kali or Kali who is a god that represents time and she is a mother that gives birth to you and then eats you and what is time if not that is that something has given birth to you you're here and the same reality that has brought you forth will again wipe you out into oblivion and to say that that's not real is to say that the whole human experience isn't real to some degree because that's what it means to be human is to step into time and space and space and time and to fuck around and figure out what we're doing here, you know? To fumble around and get from point A to point B and make a lot of mistakes. 
Because through a lot of mistakes, a lot of stuff will be learned and a lot of healing will be brought and a lot of transcendent value will emerge. But now I just kind of feel like I'm just talking a bunch and blah, 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 blah. But yeah, guys, nature is on your side. It loves you. Again, it's a mother. It's it's your friend. Reality is your friend. As much as it doesn't seem like it can be. But reality is it's just holding whatever is here. And it's, to some degree, our perspective on it that really affects us. So I hope that you you find peace with your reality. I think it's of utmost importance that you do. Yeah. Uh, I love you guys so much. I feel like I don't ever really say that. I appreciate everyone who listens and writes and lets me know what they're thinking about these things. It makes me very happy that in a time like this when it would be so very easy to be bitter and jaded about the state of reality that you instead listen to some random schmuck talk on the internet for 30 minutes about his thoughts about reality. And I hope that they've been nothing but beneficial to you. Um, yeah. Thanks for coming by, guys. Uh, got a fun guest next week. I won't tell you who it is, but yeah, just come back, check out the Patreon, make sure you give us a like on YouTube and on Facebook and all that stuff, but have a good time, friends, enjoy the ride.